Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, good morning again, Faith Assembly. So good to see you here this morning. Are you ready to get in the Word together today? If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would like to draw your attention to the book of Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36, and we're going to focus this morning together on verses 25 through 29. So if you've got that, go ahead and find Ezekiel chapter 26, uh, those few verses there, and just hold your place there. It's going to take us a minute to get there this morning, but we're going to eventually arrive there at that place, and we want you to be ready for it. So um, just last week, we celebrated... Uh, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and my what a worship celebration that we had last week as uh, for our Easter Sunday celebration amen and uh, many thanks to our worship team and all of those that had a hand in that making that come to pass and all of your hard work and dedication certainly paid off uh, also want to mention Pastor Jason and Tanya and the uh, Voltage group had their fusion retreat this weekend about 40-something kids from uh, not only this church but other churches as well came together, had a great weekend uh, there. So we appreciate them and all their efforts. All of you that helped, too. I went down there the other night. I said, my goodness, there's a lot of folks helping out here with this thing. So we appreciate all of you that helped out with that as well. So anyway, uh, jumping back to uh, our conversation here about uh, celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if we consider for a moment the, the suffering of Christ, the things that he endured for our sakes, it is short-sighted of us, it is short-sighted on our part to believe that he came and endured those things to simply have us remain the same after we've encountered his amazing grace. I mean, if you know that Jesus came to make you different, to change you, to, to repair, to restore the brokenness on the inside of you. I try to refrain from that word to fix you, but he came to restore brokenness and to make old things new things. Uh, the, this, this message today, I want you to understand, this is not a legalistic word for you today, uh, saying that you need to do these things and you need not do other things, but rather it's a word that reminds us that there are some things that the Lord desires to make new in our lives uh, through the power afforded us by the uh, it, through the power afforded us by His finished work on Calvary. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says this: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So we're going to launch into a series of messages today that will span for the next several weeks, four or five weeks, and we're going to be talking about a new you. A new you. Jesus came so that you wouldn't be the miserable wretch that you were when he found you. Amen? I don't know whether it's right for us to say anymore that we're sinners saved by grace. Because I am redeemed. I'm set free. 
I'm, deli- I'm no longer bound by the sin of my past. Now, sure, I'm prone to sin. I have a sinful nature, but I'm new in Christ Jesus. I'm not who I was. I'm not who I'm going to be as of yet. But praise God, by his grace and his mercy, he's continuing to strive with me through the power of his Holy Spirit, and he's changing my life continually and daily, and I trust that that's your testimony as well. So we're going to spend these next several weeks looking at some things that God has intended to make new in our lives through the finished work of Calvary. And in doing that, I want to just converse with you a little while this morning if I can. And you've all heard it said before that Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship, right? You've heard that and, and, and we, we say that and, and it's so true. It's not just a cliche. It's very true because here's the thing. Religion is man's attempt at reaching up to God. It's man's attempt to satisfy the requirements of righteousness by the observance of codes and creeds and formalities mostly instituted by other men. Religion at its very best, at the very core of it, can do little more than make us feel better, a little bit better about ourselves, but religion by itself does nothing to improve our standing with God. Earlier I mentioned the phrase righteousness. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, Pastor, I don't need you to throw it around church words at me this morning. What is righteousness? Righteousness basically is this. Righteousness means a right standing in the sight of God. You ever heard somebody say, you know, you need to get right with God? You need, you need to get right with God. That's what righteousness is. It's, it's right standing with God. And here's the thing. Though we may try and we may try hard, the very best that we offer will never reach the standard of righteousness that is acceptable in God's eyes for right standing. We will never attain to that. As a matter of fact, Isaiah puts it best in his word, Isaiah 64, verse 6, when he says, but we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. Do you know what I'm saying to you this morning is that you can come to church, you can participate in the worship, You can go through all of the motion, but if your heart's not in it, if it's not a relationship, if it's not something that is transforming you from the inside out, then in God's eyes, it's the equivalent of a filthy rag. Our attempts, the best we can do. Now, There is nothing that you and I could ever do in and of our own power to earn ourselves a right standing with God. And you say, well, Pastor, you're going to have to hold up here for just a minute because you are bothering me. You're confusing me this morning when you're talking about this you know, vain practice of religion, but then some of you preachers, you talk out of both sides of your mouth because you tell me it's not about religion, it's about a relationship, but every time I come to church, there's somebody telling me that I need to come to church, that I need to read my Bible, and that I need to pray, and aren't those just religious activities? Well, they can be. They can be nothing more than religious activities. And you might even say, you know what, I've often been made to feel like a bad Christian because I haven't done these things as it's been suggested that I should have. 
And I need, you, I need your undivided attention right now. I just need you to listen intently to me here for just a minute because I don't want you to misunderstand me and I don't want you to leave this place today and say, you know what, I, I went to that faith assembly today and that preacher said that reading your Bible wasn't important and praying wasn't important and attending church wasn't important. That's not what I'm saying at all, okay? So get that, write it down. That is not what I'm saying. Those things are important, okay? But church attendance can be reduced to a dead ritual if it's not approached with the right attitude. Study of Scripture can, and prayer can be little more than religious exercise if not exercised in the right way. Now this is where I'd like to camp for just a few minutes here because it's going to set us up for other things moving forward. Now, don't misunderstand me. Bible study is important for a believer. It's, but it's not for the purpose of pleasing or appeasing God that you need to read your Bible, attend church, and pray. It's for your benefit. It's for your own good. God preserved this book not to be a burden to you, not to be something that's on your daily to-do list that you've got to check off for your religious purposes, but he has preserved this for you. And he has extended his grace to make it available to you. You can take it. <laughs> to be a blessing in your life. The veil was torn in two when Jesus died that we can come and we can stand in the presence. We can boldly approach the throne of grace to make our petitions known. Not just so that God hears our voice, but so that we can commune with him as friend to friend. You see, Christianity isn't, isn't about biblical knowledge. It's not just about church attendance or prayer, although these things are important. Did you know that you can know everything that the Bible has to say, attend every service and pray all the time, and still not be right with God? If you don't believe it, here's a little litmus test. Listen to yourself at lunch. And see what things you're entertaining. It's just a thought. I have people approach me a lot of times and say, you know what, Pastor, I just don't understand. I raised my babies in the church. And now they don't want anything to do with the church. And I just shake my head and say, you know what, if you didn't have roast preacher every day, every Sunday afternoon for lunch... then maybe he'd care what the man of God has to say. If all you get from reading your Bible is sufficient knowledge of principles to win an argument, then you've missed the point. If all that you've done is commit enough to memory to sound knowledgeable at the group discussion, then you're missing out. Christianity is not about 
formulas and, or a thesis, or, nor is the study of Scripture intended to produce such things. As a matter of fact, Paul says concerning the ministry of the Word, he says this to the Corinthian church, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration and the power of the Spirit, that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Church, I'm telling you, this word, the opportunity to pray, the opportunity to worship is just another opportunity for us to position ourselves to know Him in a more intimate measure than we previously had. It doesn't matter what you know about the Bible if you don't know the who that the Bible's about. You see, all of these activities in which we engage, they're intended to help us learn more about God. They're intended to help us to learn more about God. God hasn't preserved this Bible through the ages just to introduce dead principles and a dry historical narrative. Sure, we learn principles for godly living in the Bible, but we don't adhere to principle for for principle's sake, but for the sake of the person revealed in Scripture. I love him, so I keep his commandment. When you open your Bible, all of it, from Genesis to Revelations. Some people have added from the table of contents to maps. It's a revelation. It introduces us to the personage of God. God Almighty. Through all of this record of Scripture, God has put Himself on display for us. And through His Word, He reveals to us His character and His nature. In that, we see His faithfulness, His compassion, His patience, His love, His power, His might, His provision, His justice. And we also learn things that please Him and things that grieve Him. Make no mistake about it. Right standing with God is not an issue of outward activity. It's an issue of the content of our hearts. What's on the inside? It's not our habits that need to change in order to be in a right relationship with the Lord. It's the condition of our hearts that need to affect our habits. Now granted, the condition of our hearts should sooner or later affect the outside habits but too often we get it backwards. And we feel as if our actions are going to somehow change our heart, but it's our hearts that determine our actions. And here's the thing, and here's what I want to share with you today. You see, Jesus came, and he bled, and he suffered, and he died, and he endured all of the shame, and he endured all of the suffering, so that today you and I could be in this place with a new heart. That he could give us a new heart. Because just think with me for a moment. Before God so miraculously visited your life and the Holy Spirit drew you to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. What was the condition of your heart? Was it something that was attuned to sin and sinfulness continually? Was it something that regarded the ways of this world? And you see, here's the trouble with that, is that sin separates us 
from the presence of God. And what's in your heart will draw you nearer or push you further away from an individual. I'm dying to give you an illustration here. And I will. But let me, let me just ask you, though, you're, you're reading in this word. Oh, my goodness. You're reading, and you're over here in the Exodus, and you're reading about a God that directed Moses and said, Moses, I want you to stand up here, and I want you to extend your staff, and I'm going to cause a wind to blow, and I'm going to part the seas, and my people are going to go across on the dry land. You don't want to be a friend to that God. You see the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's talking to Peter about paying his taxes, which is coming up around the corner here. Just, just my little plug for the IRS. God bless you. And he says, hey, Peter, you don't got your tax money? No problem. Just run over here and cast in a hook. Reel him in. There it is. You don't want to be friends in right relationship with this God? Who wouldn't want to be identified as a friend of God? Who wouldn't want to be identified as a child of the king? Who's going to look at heaven and say, no thanks, I don't care to go? I want to be on the side of the one who can speak and the seas are calmed who speaks and the galaxies are created. I want to be on the side of the one who can heal the lame and call the dead to life again. I, I want to be able to stand up and say of the God I serve, if he is with me, then who can be against me? And I want to be close enough to him to know that it's an effective word that I'm speaking. At the end of the day, there's not one of us that doesn't want to be right with God. And as we're looking through these pages of Scripture, we can find those things that we identify as sin. And then when we recognize those things that are resident in our lives, and I'm not just speaking to people who are unsaved this morning, I'm also speaking to the saved. Because how many of you know that sometimes we can get in positions and predicaments where we've allowed things to creep into our heart? We love Jesus, but we harbor bitterness and unforgiveness and hurt and anger and malice and all these things we've got them in there and here's the issue what's in our heart can push us away or pull us together you see when we see the character and the nature of the Lord revealed in Scripture it's it also reveals to us things that are in our own heart that will either draw us towards him or push us away from him do you remember that time when you and your friend had that disagreement and then you were standing down in the grocery store aisle one day and lo and behold here they come and turn the corner and it made you feel some kind of way and you know as quickly as you could you ducked your head and turned around and ran out of that aisle you, you, mem you remember that time you remember it Oh, you remember it because what was in your heart pushed you away. I get it all the time. Man, I've seen people in Walmart almost break their necks. 
It's, it's hard on folks when you haven't been to church in six weeks and the preacher shows up around the corner at Walmart. I've seen them abandon the buggy. It's not me. I didn't do anything. But I am representative of something that they know they should have been doing. And it produces in their heart guilt, and it produces in their heart shame. And they don't want to see the representative from the church. They don't want to see the person that stands and supposedly speaks for God when they recognize that that is the situation. And they flee because what's in their heart drives them away. Maybe they are mad at me. I don't know. But I'm believing for the best. Amen. And the same is true of us and God, and it doesn't matter where we are in our relationship with Him. Do you know that you can sit on a church pew and you can backslide? You can get the perfect attendance award and you can backslide. Because we don't guard our hearts, we don't keep our hearts, we're not vigilant in watching over the things that are getting into our hearts. And to some degree and in some measure, what's in your heart determines your proximity to the presence of the person that you're trying to get close to. And when you know, and you may know it and nobody else does, just you and God, but you know and you know that he knows. Oh my goodness, I've got to hurry up. You see... The thing is that God is calling us near. God is calling you to himself right now. And the the thing is, and you say, well, obviously, Pastor, I'm at church. God's calling me near. No, it doesn't stop there. When you leave this place, God is still going to be calling you near. When you go to work tomorrow morning, God is still going to be calling you near. As you progress through your week, God is going to be standing, longing and yearning for fellowship with you and to be near with you and to share himself with you. And he's wanting to draw near. He tells us that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek after him. He tells us that there is rest and strength for those who will come to him. And when there are things in our hearts that we've identified and we know that God wouldn't be pleased with those things, we tend to withdraw. Here, look with me. Genesis chapter 3 really quickly. Verses 9 and 10 says this. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. It was the perfect relationship. God came down in the cool of the, of the day with Adam and Eve to walk with them. He visited with them. And what he did in those moments was reveal his heart to them, just as he does to us through his word. But when Adam partook of the tree of the fruit of the tree of, uh, when Adam partook of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he knew that what he had done had grieved the heart of God. And instead of run to him, he retreated away from him 
Oh, you're standing in the worship service and you can tell that the Spirit of the Lord is moving, but there's a hesitancy on your part to enter in because... Hmm. Well, quite frankly, the devil's on your other shoulder and he's reminding you of everything you've done wrong. Everything that you've beheld in your heart that you shouldn't have. He's trying to hinder you, but I want to tell you something today, church. It need not hinder you. It need not hinder you because he's come to give you a new heart. And it doesn't matter if you've already had one 15 years ago. He wants to give you a new one today. He wants to renew and refresh that in you today. It's, it's not just about a one-time experience. It's about a continual experience of keeping our hearts right before God. You see, with Adam, disobedience gave way to shame and guilt. And Adam no longer welcomed fellowship with God, but fled from it. Sin pushes us away from the Lord. And one of those things that Jesus died to make available to us is a new heart. He so desires fellowship with you. He so desires an intimate relationship with you that he made it possible for you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ to have a pure heart. The psalmist, after his terrible, David's terrible fall with Bathsheba and that sin, that adultery that he fell into there, you find him later on weeping in the 51st Psalm and saying, Lord, create in me a clean heart. He's also the same guy that said one thing do I desire and that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever but he knew in that moment there was something in his heart that was keeping him away from the presence of God and he cries out and said God create in me a clean heart create in me a clean heart when we're speaking about a changed heart we're speaking about that fallen nature that part of you that is so predisposed to sinfulness and wrong when we're speaking about a changed heart we're speaking about that part of you that's filled with things that keep you separated from a loving God that that part of you that rather than compel you towards him it drives you away from him and then we come to this great prophecy there was another point in history when God was dealing with sinfulness and hard-heartedness in the hearts of his people and we find these words in Ezekiel 36 and it says this then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean and I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh I will Put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. And then you will dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. Come on, somebody. I will deliver you from your uncleanliness. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. I want to share with you very quickly Adam Clark's commentary on this idea of a new heart. Concerning a new heart, he says, I will change, he's paraphrasing here, he says, I will change the whole of your infected nature and give you new appetites 
new passions, or at least the old ones purified and refined. The heart is generally understood to mean the affections and passions. And he says concerning the heart of stone, he says, that heart is hard, impenetrable, and cold. The affections and passions that are unyielding, frozen to good, unaffected by heavenly things, that are slow to credit the words of God. I will entirely remove this heart. It is the opposite to that which I have promised you, and you cannot have a new heart and an old heart at the same time. Concerning the heart of flesh, he says this, one that can feel one that can enjoy, that can feel love to God and to all men. In other words, one that loves the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and one that loves your neighbor as yourself. God says, that's the heart I want to give you. The prophet Jeremiah says this, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, like, the, like these good figs, so I will acknowledge those who are carried away captive from Judah, whom I have sent out from this place for their own good into the land of the Chaldeans. For I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land, and I will build them and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. And then I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with their whole hearts child of God I want to tell you something so many times we wait as we say for God to move but can I tell you that God's not moving? He is firmly seated on his throne in glory. Isaiah saw him and said that he was high and lifted up. And I'm, I'm of a persuasion to believe that so many times that we're waiting for God to prepare something. We're waiting for God to move and do something. And the issue is that God has already done it. He tore the veil. He made a way. Right? And who really needs to move is us. But the issue is sometimes there's just a little something in here. And we can't move. Because the guilt and the shame and the hurt or what, whatever it is is holding us back. And it's causing us to keep our distances from Him. And the whole time, He's just waiting. And He's watching. 
and he's wanting. He's wanting to share fellowship with you. He's wanting to extend friendship to you. He's wanting you to come into situations such as this. Not only this, but through your daily life and through your daily routines. And know beyond the shadow of a doubt that there's truth in the word that says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother who will never leave nor forsake you. He is desiring for you to experience him in such a way that you will know that there's truth in the statement that he's as close as the mention of his name. That you will certainly know that the Lord does inhabit the praises of his people because every time that you begin to worship him and praise him, you can feel his presence. And you feel the glory and the anointing of who he is right where you are. But we carry things in our heart. See, like I said earlier, this issue of getting our hearts right with God, it's not just a one-time affair. Keeping your heart right is something that requires vigilance and diligence on the part of the believer. As a matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 4, and I'll close with this verse. Keep your hearts with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Get in this word. Know him. Understand who he is. You'll not deny him. You'll want to be close to him. You'll recognize the word in Romans that says all have sinned and fallen short. As you read this reflection of his goodness and his character. But then you're going to be passing through the Gospels. And you're going to find that word. That evidence is what was prophesied by Isaiah. Surely he has borne our griefs and our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. Surely the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes... We are healed. I want to tell you today, church, that brokenness inside of you can be healed. That thing that causes you to shy away from the presence of God in a moment can be healed. Would you stand with me? Father, today it's in the strong name of Jesus.
that I come to you, Lord. God, you promised that we would find grace. God, that's exactly what I ask for in this moment. God, is that your grace would cover right now any and every one that needs to find you, that needs to let go of some things in their heart, some things that they've been harboring. Maybe they need to dedicate their lives to you for the first time today. God, I just give that to you right now. Prepare this atmosphere. Prepare this people to receive what you have in store. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.